3: Uh, Welcome, everybody, back to Wrestling Inc. Saturday night's main event watch-alongs. Tonight, we are going to be watching the episode from January 2nd, 1988. But before we kind of get into that, we're going to discuss some of the late-breaking news. I'm sure everyone on social media has already heard that WWE has announced that Paul Heyman is out uh, as creative director of Raw. WWE uh, sent out uh, a release to, to members of the press, including us at Wrestling Inc., that... Paul Heyman is no longer going to be in charge of Raw. WWE's is going to streamline the creative teams on Raw and SmackDown, which basically means they're both going to be under the direction of Bruce Pritchard. And we're going to discuss that a little bit. I'm joined here by um, Raj Giri uh, and Justin Barrasso. Um guys. Raj, what have you what have you heard so far on this story? Uh,
1: pretty much just that. I've been sending out a bunch of texts and and uh, and you know trying to trying to get more. I mean, Heyman and McMahon have had. McMahon has blamed Heyman on ratings in the past. This is nothing new. And Heyman, when you've seen some changes to the the announced team and things like that, that was, you know, um, in response to ratings and and, uh, some of the blame for the ratings in the past. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I think it's clearly that the ratings are probably a big factor. The ratings are at an all-time low, you know, each week is either the lowest or the second lowest in history, but so much of that is COVID, you know? I mean, it, watching three hours in that performance center setting, uh, it's exhausting. So I don't I don't think there's, in with that environment, with the, the rules that Vince has in place, I don't see what anyone else can really do.
2: I agree. I don't see how you throw this on Paul, other than the fact he's the guy in that role, right? Yeah. I think given, I mean, they're, they're des- they desperately need a crowd. Raw's yeah. a tough watch. I mean, in three hours, it's a tough, it's a tough go to have something run that long. I don't think it matters who runs it, and I think that it's it's a bad look internally to let go one of the most creative minds in wrestling, but or let go from that position. But at the same point, um, maybe for the for the board or for the uh, stockholders, they see change. You know, I don't, I don't know if they know or care who Paul Heyman is, but they may care that, that Vince is making a change. So, yeah, well, what- too bad
3: you never want to see anyone lose their position, but. Uh, what, what, what is interesting is that they've made sure, made it clear that Paul is going to stay on in WWE as a uh, in in on TV persona, you know, as the advocate for Brock Lesnar, perhaps another wrestler. Um, so he's still in the company. He wasn't fired from the company. He was just relieved from his official creative duties. Now, what's interesting is that even before, I know, last June it was announced that Paul <coughs> Heyman would be running the creative side of RAW. That. Paul had a hand in a lot of storylines, particularly Brock Lesnar storylines. He was hands-on, I guess, with Ronda Rousey and I think Bill Goldberg and maybe a few others. Raj's dog is very upset right now that um, Paul Heyman's. does not,
2: not care that Raj is a podcast right <laughs> now. I have um, disregard for the business and inner workings of pro wrestling.
3: But as I was saying, so Paul's still going to be in the company. I wonder if he's still going to, you know, Brock Lesnar obviously thinks very highly of them, you know, trust him a lot when it comes to the creative process. I, it would be surprising to see Paul Paul's fingerprints completely removed from the WWE product.
2: Well, yes and no, but I'm, I'm sure he's not happy. No one's happy to be publicly demoted. Um, I think that's difficult. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, you know, if Talon goes to Paul and asks for help, I'm sure if Ronda Rousey goes to Paul, I still think Ronda comes back once crowds are back, and I'm sure Paul will work closely with her. Not only that changes, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I, and we've seen this before with Vincent Paul. I just, it's it's odd you'd put a guy in a position like this when you know you're going to handcuff him. But it's Vince's show and it's Vince's rules.
1: Yeah, I'm curious what kind of contract Paul has as a talent with WWE. If it's a, uh, if it's an exclusive thing, if it's a per date deal, um, you know, uh, that'll be interesting to to find
2: out. Um, Rush, when remember too when when Heyman Heyman signs this deal or becomes you know executive director, that's around the time of it's right after it's 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 about a year ago right a yeah little it was less. exactly a year ago is in June, so slightly after yeah late June slightly after Double or Nothing, so I know they were interested in having Paul at, at, at events or anything. Of course, you want Paul Heyman at an AEW event. You can't though because WWE re-upped. So to me, it's I don't know if it's buyer's remorse from Vince. I always think back to the Bret Hart deal. Like Vince got him in a deal where nobody else could get him. He decided he didn't want him anymore, and and Bret- But it also reminds me, of like Kane Velasquez. Like Kane was someone AEW certainly had interest in, and they made him so there is no interest in Kane. I that's the case with Paul, but it's just kind of how Vince works. Vince wants what he wants. Uh, he he takes that that your leverage from it, right? So I don't think Paul can leave. Not that he would anyway, but. Um, so maybe they did but maybe Vince did
1: what he wanted to do yeah and uh, we mentioned ratings ratings have been uh you know down drastically from last year again this is post covid this past week it was down 20% but last week was against uh, the NBA playoffs uh, last year I mean was against the NBA playoffs last week's was down almost 30 percent from last year week before 21 percent the week before 30 percent so big drops year to year again this is you know, post-COVID, before COVID, though, the three weeks before COVID, they were down 23%, 19%, and 24%. So still uh, big drops from the year prior. SmackDown, obviously, has been up year to year. Um, but that's also because they're on Fox. They're in 30 million more homes. They are on a Friday night, so that takes a little bit out of it. But overall, it's still, number-wise, it's still up. They're still... Usually doing a little over 2 million viewers, um, except there was that one week where they dropped below, uh, and and last week. But, um,
3: yeah, it's, uh... it's hard to say who, like, to me, this isn't necessarily a case of Paul not having the answers. But rather, this being a very difficult situation um, for everyone to work in, both prequel pre COVID-19 and in in its current situation, because the ratings were down before the pandemic. It isn't solely related to the pandemic, but I don't know who WWE brings in to solve, you know, to solve this. That's going to be, you know, better than Heyman. There's certainly plenty of options, but it seems more of an institutional problem than a Paul Heyman problem.
2: Yeah. It starts and ends with Vince. I think though uh, he's more likely to be on the same page from what we've seen the past, what, Two and a half, three decades with Bruce Prichard uh, than he ever would be with with Paul Heyman, so I think that definitely, that certainly plays a a big piece in this.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we'll uh, we'll see. I mean, this is obviously breaking. Stay tuned to stay tuned in Justin stuff at, at Sports Illustrated and his his uh, his columns and his articles and uh, and
3: WrestlingInc.com, of course. So we're moving on to to
2: tough way to start.
3: (laughs) Moving on to the real reason we're here tonight, which is for Saturday Night's main event. This is the show we're done with. Nineteen eighty-seven, it's gone. We're moving on to nineteen eighty-eight. This is the first show of nineteen eighty-eight. It is from January second, nineteen eighty-eight. Justin Barrasso's birthday. Oh, how Uh, old are you, Justin? I turned five. Oh, so you remember now, Raj? You said my mom's birthday too nice Raj right. you've said that this was the first Saturday Night's Main Event that you watched
1: as it aired there were a couple yeah. others I watched on tape uh, before this point but yeah this was the first one I got to at, you know at, at 1030 at night was when it aired uh, where I lived and yeah it was I had a, we were at a party with a bunch of different families so all the kids uh, got to watch it and it was awesome
3: and this lots of Bolsheviks this, yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> This, know, is uh, yeah. this is a show, this reminds me a lot of the show we watched um, a few weeks ago with uh, the build-up to WrestleMania 3 um, between Andre and Hogan, and we're not building up to WrestleMania, we're building up to the main event, which was a primetime show uh, in February of 1988 that is the most watched show in WWE history, it's the most watched show in American wrestling history, if you just go by pure numbers. Of viewers at the time. Uh it's it's so it's probably arguably the biggest event uh this country's ever seen for pro wrestling. Uh and, and so we're seeing a build kind of for that, and we're seeing you want to see like a money angle, and you want to see something that got people invested in something to come back and watch a month later. That's what you see tonight.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of interesting because in the build to this, you they had this at Saturday night's main event, then they had a contract signing at the Royal Rumble. Uh, Andre kind of destroyed Hogan at both, and then in the actual match, he beats him. So, you know, that's a formula you don't normally see by WWE. Usually, if Andre's, you know, destroying him before the show, that means Hogan's getting his win. So uh, it was really interesting.
2: And I think, too, uh, obviously Hogan, enormously popular, but it's tough when he's the favorite. It's tough when you're babyface champ, even when you're enormous like Hulk and Jack and Ripton. Hogan had a great look, too. But it's tough. You gotta make him. You gotta make the baby face vulnerable. You gotta make him come from behind. And it's tough when you constantly win. So we start to see different ways to present Hogan, count out losses, and, and different things like that. And now we're gonna see him lose the belt, um, and and we'll see the Macho Man, kind of the, the rise of the Macho Man as well. But uh, yeah, just an interesting interesting way to present Hogan too, because obviously Hogan's the long term plan here, not DiBiase, certainly not Andre. But they, it's a great story, and they, they definitely hit it on all cylinders.
1: Yeah, and this year, I mean, it's starting off January 2nd. This was actually taped in December. But this year is, in my opinion, had some of the best storytelling that WWF has had, WWE had. This, you know, 87 did as well with Hogan and Andre. But this with Hogan and the Macho Man, and like you said, the rise of the Macho Man. I think this was the best because you saw the story progression on pretty much every show. Um, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. starting with this one.
3: Well, we're basically a year into the Andre Hogan storyline. At this point, it kind of started last winter before WrestleMania three, Andre turns heel. They have the confrontation on Piper's pit. All that kind of stuff happens. Obviously WrestleMania three happens. Andre after WrestleMania three, Andre leaves and gets back surgery. He's gone for a while. He doesn't come back until we see him. um, what was it? Saturday night's main event from October. He ends, he comes to the ring and, uh, he comes he comes back and that was kind of his big return. He was Bobby Heenan's big surprise and that kind of reignites the Andre and Hogan storyline. Right now on this show, it's Hulk Hogan versus King Kong Bundy for the title with Andre in his corner. Obviously, Hogan retains the title, but it does kind of continue that feud. So we're a whole year into the Hogan versus Andre feud and we still got a long way to go because of course we have the main event, we have WrestleMania 4, we have the summer for SummerSlam main event, we have all of that still ahead of us. So it really was quite an extraordinarily long feud. And I, sometimes you, you think that WrestleMania three is kind of the pinnacle of it, but it's really only that's only a few months into the actual feud.
1: Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, that one lasted a lot longer than a lot of others. Like Hogan and Savage was squashed pretty much pretty quickly by that summer. So um, yeah, yeah, they. They kept this going. It was I mean they did their biggest, you know, number a year into their feud, uh, that we'll get into. So mm-hmm. um, So
3: we're gonna get things yeah. going.
2: Uh, so if everyone's
3: a talk. big what if?
2: What what if like Andre could have gone a little longer? Yeah. I mean there was always the plan, right? He was supposed to be in what, the ninety rumble? He got announced, but right. obviously didn't wrestle. Uh, Andre Earthquake makes a ton of sense. I don't I asked Haku this once if he was healthy, would they have done Andre Haku? He said no. But there were so many things you could have done with Andre had he had five more years, three more years, six Andre, more months.
3: Andre wanted to do a program with the Undertaker. I just read about it in his book. That when the Undertaker was first starting out, Andre pulled him aside and said, "You know, one day, me and you," and that would have been a really interesting match.
1: That he was way beyond shot at that point. But yeah, yeah. I mean, physically, he wasn't.
3: He he probably wasn't there. But like you said, Justin said, in the alternate universe, if he could have, you know, kept yeah. wrestling. And kept sure. performing. I that would have been a catch. huge, yeah, definitely. So um, that's one
2: of the few pay per views they share together, right? WrestleMania Seven. It's it's right. Taker and uh, Snuka, and, and uh, what Andre's in? I
3: think is he in Bossman's corner? Or he comes out during the Bossman perfect match. Uh, yeah, he come. He's in yeah. Bossman's corner, and at the end, you know, he Bossman raises his hand. He gets in the ring, and Andre gets like this monster pop. But then Andre raises Bossman's hand with the idea being that he didn't want to come and outshine, you know, Bossman because. Bossman was supposed to be the person getting the rub, which uh, I don't think you'd see Hulk Hogan doing that, but that's neither here nor there. We're going to press play. I'm going to do a countdown. So, like we do every week, everyone's going to press play and then immediately press pause. So, people who have commercials uh, on their version of the network don't get um, off the same time as us. So, I'm going to do a countdown. We'll all press play. Five, four, three, two, one, and I'll press pause. And we'll give it about 15 seconds. Um, but yeah, I mean, by this point, Andre still has enough left in the tank to perform, but by 1990, late 89, 90, it's, it's very, I mean, it's really sad. His, his body just really wasn't able to go anymore, even to do pretty simple stuff. He just, he, you know, he couldn't take any bumps. He couldn't do a lot of like lifting and and that kind of stuff. And so unfortunately the, you know, the the clock kind of ran out on him, but it definitely would have had a lot of exciting programs, you know, if he were to stay healthy. So we're going to press play again. I'm going to do another countdown. We're going to do five, four, three, two, one, and press play.
1: Jake the Snake. First yep. WWF promo of 1988.
3: Yeah, I mean, right on the dot. Um, this, Like I said, this show's in Landover, Maryland. I could not find, for the life of me, the viewership. For and the ratings for this show, uh, everywhere I went, it just had question marks and a mystery. It's one of the shows I don't know, Raj, if you could find it.
1: Yeah, I'll see. Uh, I'll see if I can find it.
3: But obviously, this would build up to the monster, 30 million, 33 million people watching um, on the big, uh, the main event, which would happen in February. Mm-hmm. Very
2: grisly, underrated voice from Greg the Hammer Valentine. It yeah. Didn't cut a whole lot of promos at that point. Uh, or moving forward, but just a great voice, right?
1: And this is the first Saturday night's main event for the Bolsheviks, I believe.
3: Yeah, well, a smile from Nikolai. So, so Nikolai Volkov had been teaming with the Iron Sheik, as we saw last, you know, in last year's Saturday night's main events. But the Sheik had been arrested in that incident that we've discussed driving with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. they, they were, uh, the Sheik had cocaine on him, he got arrested, he gets fired from the company. And so what they ended up doing was bringing in Boris Zukov, who was an AWA wrestler, and kind of pairing him with Nikolai Volkov. And that kind of started the Bolsheviks in WWF. Yeah.
2: Hogan, again, clicking. We see this every week. Clicking on all cylinders. Got rid of that ridiculous bandana, too. He's back in the Hulkamania. Uh, I mean, he looks and sounds exactly like in 1988 or 87 or, you know, 80s Hulk Hogan should. I wonder how they got the feedback back then. Like,
1: y- you know, like that bandana looked ridiculous. You got to remove it. It's not like they right. had social media where you had instant. I think
3: it's the same way as it was as it is now. Vince either liked it or didn't like it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right, though. He didn't get it blown up. It wasn't like when Okada wore pants and everyone lost their minds that Okada was wearing pants. Yeah.
2: But the strike, speaking of fashion, the, the, stri- the strike, the um scarves, they don't last. All right. <laughs> so. Not
1: at all. Uh, Bruce Bennett saying Andre after Mania Seven, yeah, that's right, he had signed with Herb Abrams for the UWF, and then Vince McMahon signed him back, and he got attacked by the Earthquake. Andre never actually worked with Earthquake; he was just in the corner. Of, I think it was like Bushwhackers and Jim Duggan against uh, the Twin Towers and someone. That's that
3: SummerSlam, and Andre was yeah. in their corner. Well, oh, yeah, and Andre basically signed that contract with Herb Abrams as a way to get back into the WWF because Vince at that time did. To- did not yeah, it totally works. Um, you know, one of the things I've you know, I'm reading the on again, I'll plug it again, Andre the Giant, The Eighth Wonder of the World by Pat Laparte. Um, great, great book if you're interested in reading about Andre the Giant. And he Andre, one of the things you learn is that Andre was really shrewd. He was really smart and he understood the business. And that's something that maybe he doesn't get enough credit for, or maybe people don't know that about Andre, but he really knew how to play the game.
2: Rush, that's a, I love that match. I actually thought as a kid the bushwhackers are gonna win. It was Bushwhackers, Natural Disasters. And uh, the yeah, best right. part of that match is it's, it's at MSG. It's the Bret Hart Perfect Night. And the best part of that match is they decide to team up after the win. You know, of course they beat the Bushwhackers. And they're going to team up on Andre. And that's when LOD comes, you know, wearing the shoulder pads. They come right. out to the ring. Um, pretty special moment. Wow. wow no, I'm absolutely. sorry. That, uh, Yeah, that's the summer. No, I'm sorry. MSG, I'm, I'm throwing that off. Summer Slam is when they win the belts at MSG. Geez, that was uh?
3: Yeah, the first. Is that Summer Slams Arena? No, uh, it's Madison Square Garden.
1: The first SummerSlam was in first... Madison Square Garden, but the one you're talking about, you're talking about 1990, right?
2: Uh, Bushwhackers, natural disasters was uh, yeah, that was SummerSlam, yeah. So that was right. That was um, and they come out and they uh, cause the LL... the warriors win the belts that night from the Nasty Boys. It's all the same night, am I? I think that's right. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's right. No, what did not is- Demolition... Oh, no, that was the year before where they lost to the Hart Foundation. Was no, that 80? I, I, I'm questioning myself when I shouldn't. It was that summer time. Uh, Road Warriors came out early to inter- to, to support Andre, and they beat the Nasties. It was, it was 1991. Knickerbock uh, Arena off. was the Rumble, uh, the Flair Rumble.
1: Yeah, thanks, Bruce. Just anytime time we have a question, just ask Bruce.
2: What is
3: the Knickerbocker Arena? That's also in New York. That's Albany. Oh, oh, so it's up at the Times Union Center now. Uh, Bolsheviks it's
1: against awesome, Strike Force. Both of their uh, Strike Force is tag team uh, champions at this point. They beat uh, the, they beat the Heart Foundation for it, right? They beat
3: the Heart Foundation in October and they hold the titles until WrestleMania, um, where they lose them to Demolition and then Demolition have the long record setting reign after that. This is an amazing promo by Slick, by the way.
1: Slick was awesome.
3: This is a really smart promo.
1: Amy Elliott Vaughn saying these 1988 shows are going to be brutal with some of the things that are said. Obviously, um, as a 12 year old, these things went over my head, but rewatching, it, times are different.
2: Absolutely. Even just the xenophobia, right? Of of the, of the evil foreigners versus the Americans.
0: Well, they still do
2: This
3: right? is kind of stuck in a time warp. I always love it. When and it happens in this match, when someone not from America is the babyface beating up the foreign heels and the whole crowd chants USA. USA. Well, Tito Santana
1: was from America.
3: Yeah, he was from America, but Rick Martel will be in the ring and, you know, beating up the uh, yeah, uh, slick just if if you missed it, slick just said that Mikhail Gorbachev, who famously came to the United States uh, to visit Ronald Reagan, who's the president at the time. Uh, it was actually there really to see the Bolsheviks, to talk to them, and give them a pep talk about how to do this match. And then they made a little time for Reagan, but it was mostly to talk to the Bolsheviks.
2: Lots of promo time there for Slick. One of the things that made him so special, I think, was the, the most ridiculous comments he made. You still It was sort of Bobby Heenan-like. You still kind of wondered. I mean, also it was, it was a long time ago, but uh, he, ma- he made his, his ridiculous points seem somewhat realistic. Right. There was a little,
1: you could see him believing it. It wasn't so out there right. that it was, he was playing right. a character. Yeah.
3: Part of the heat is that, like, you want to roll your eyes and be like, "Oh, come on, Korbachev didn't talk to you. Shut up."
1: Yeah, not like that, but like, uh, like with Elizabeth I mean, when Elizabeth was in the corner of Hogan and Macho Man against the Twin Towers, and he was saying, like, you know, he, he, you know, it was that it's really three against two, you know, with Slick and Elizabeth can't do anything physical, you know, stuff like that, but you know, in a very heelish way.
2: Um, Great so. manager. Great, yeah. great. Again, again the, every week we see the same thing. The supporting cast—it's not just the guys in the ring. It's everybody around. It. It's it's the slicks, the Gene Okerlins, the the Jesse Venturas—they're just so deep right now.
1: Yeah, and it doesn't well, sound it, scripted like when he's cutting this promo to the crowd. I I don't know if this was or he. Well, this is kind of a standard shtick where he's having everyone <laughs> stand up for the
3: Russian national anthem, which is a great gimmick by the way. It's something that a lot of people remember. Yeah uh well slick um we in his obituary
2: jesse and Volko- uh, Volkov's obituary is that uh that he was saying the russian national i mean it was so ingrained in that character yeah <laughs> is Volkov dead yeah yeah, yeah. recently
3: yeah because i remember him doing indie shows like not that long ago
2: it's fairly recent i i yeah yeah july 29th Here, here's the stuff. title win too in syracuse
1: Yeah, it was on, and it's it's kind of interesting how many of these title changes back in the day would happen on Superstars of Wrestling.
2: Mm-hmm. I'd like to know if that title, that that title change, um, with the Martell finish, and they're, they're the scarves here, sort of scarve like that's exactly what happens at uh WrestleMania, but they get hit with the cane right. by Fuji. Um, I wonder if they wanted to plan that out that far ahead. That's how they drop the belts, too. Ooh, I don't.
1: That would seem like, I mean, that's a lot of planning. But, you know, Vince back then, and that's one thing I feel like he doesn't do now. I don't think Vince is up late thinking of storyline ideas and, and, you know, ways he can take a certain story. Whereas, you know, back then, I'm sure he was probably really excited for a lot of these angles and just couldn't wait. And I I'm just don't feel like he has that
2: same passion for him now. Rush, can we highlight the James Potts comment?
1: Yeah. Uh, which one?
2: Yeah. Uh, All of them? The call scene video.
1: Okay. I remember
2: this and I and I wanna say Kamala is in his like ring gear, which makes it even more he's not like wearing a sweater and jeans. It's right. it's completely ridiculous. Yeah,
1: so James Potts saying I used to have this old Coliseum video where Reverend Slick and Kamala and he was trying to show Kamala how to bowl at the bowling alley. Yeah, there were ones where Kamala didn't know how to pin people and Slick was trying to teach him how to pin <laughs> even though he had won so many matches by pinfall before that.
3: Right. <laughs> so strike force <laughs> They had formed in August of eighty-seven, and they're basically the canm connection. Connection. They just swap out Tito Santana um, for
0: um, uh, Tom, Tom Zenk.
3: Zenk. and they even come out to the same entrance music. They come out to "Girls and Cars," so they're kind of are like just like a remodeled version of that. But for their time, they're pretty. They're pretty over, and they're they're re- well remembered today as a really popular tag team. I, th- I think who uh, sings
1: it? Z- uh, Jimmy Hart. No. Oh no, Rick Derringer, right?
2: No, for two. It, it think they it, think back it. to the the music video.
3: Don't they sing it?
1: No, it's not them. It's not Jimmy. H- I don't know. It's not Jimmy Hart. You're right.
2: It's not Rick Robbie, Dup- Robbie Dupree. Robbie Dupree. Isn't Nick is in the in the is it the, the Pile Driver album? Yeah. Um, they they have like a really cheesy girls in cars music video and i believe it's somebody can correct me if i'm wrong but i believe it's robbie dupree yeah i think you're right
1: with with a good point here uh one thing i never got in 1987 1988 demolition were never on saturday night's main event that is true like uh if there's a tag team you want to kind of showcase and
3: they clearly had big plans for them and up until this point we haven't seen them Yeah, it's kind of weird how the talent is distributed one thing is that we have yet? To, and he's not on this show. Is we've yet to see Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, who's going to play a massive role uh, in the promotion at their next major show, you know, at the main event. So it's interesting that we, we don't see any of those vignettes. He doesn't wrestle. He doesn't do anything. We, we, you don't even. You wouldn't even know he's in the company if you were just watching the Saturday Night's main events. So it's kind of interesting to see who they put on these shows and who they don't. A lot happened between here and the main
1: event when you think about it. Because here, Andre was still managed by Bobby Heenan. Yep. Uh, you know, just a month later, he's with Ted DiBiase. But yeah, yeah, that is true. They haven't uh, they haven't shown Ted DiBiase yet.
3: Well, they had already done – I believe they had already done the angle where DiBiase tries to buy the title from Hogan. I think that happens in like December yeah. of 87. So he's been around and he's kind of been feuding with Hogan, yet we don't see him at all in this show. Right. I also, don't uh,
2: again, you, you mentioned putting Martel and Santana together Two two really solid guys, kind of old school, put them in the same same gear and, and let them go. Um, and this is what this is Martel's third and final tag run tag team championship run. And I think it's it's Tito's second Tito of all people like Ivan putsky and Rick Martel. And I and I think Martel is Tony Gurria. So it's two real guys from stars from a different generation. Um, you forget how long both these guys were around.
1: Yeah. And uh, even though Rick Martel was AWA world champion before this, I feel like replacing Tom Zank with Tito Santana gave the team more credibility.
3: It made That's that true. seem more uh, just like a bigger, bigger name yeah, team. Tito was a former Intercontinental champion at that point. He was, he wasn't the main event guy, but he was a respected veteran. It wasn't just these two young guys who had no credibility to fans, Tito establishes that. Had right?
1: Yeah, and he hadn't been used as enhancement talent yet up mm-hmm. until this point. He, you know, like a couple years later, he was just losing every match. But
3: when well, he gets to this point, he had
1: that credibility. And Tom Zank and Rick Martel—they almost looked too much alike to where it was hard to take them serious. Like, you know, it was like the young Stallions in a weird way were just too pretty boyish to take seriously. And Tito added that. Uh, added that. Well, veteran um, grit. Yeah, Rick I mean, Martel is Tito-
3: <laughs> Tito, a good Tito has a good run at Survivor Series nineteen ninety where they do the Soul Survivor gimmick. And basically, you know, the winners of each Survivor Series match would go on to the final match, which would be like the the battle for Soul Survivors. And the idea is that the heels have like eight guys and the baby faces have three. And the on the babyface side, it's Hogan, it's the ultimate warrior, and it's Tito Santana. So Santana's so someone they needed,
2: they needed someone who could take a pin. And it wasn't going <laughs> to be superior, and
3: it wasn't. Right. Out. Yeah. Exactly. Well, uh, yeah. No, yeah.
2: Exactly.
1: They didn't. Warrior win. and
3: Hogan are both sole survivors, which um, is an oxymoron. But I will say this match is better. Was better than I thought it was. Boris Sukov is actually a pretty good worker. I mean, he's not really brought up a lot, but you can tell in this match. I mean, Santana and Martel are really good too. But they do. He does a lot of stuff in this match. This is a pretty hot, good opening match for this show.
2: And for WWF fans, like, I didn't know Rick Martel outside of WWF. He could work really solid as a babyface. He could work as a heel later with the model, who I think was a great, great underrated character. You don't hear much about it anymore. Rick Martel, severely underrated. I think Tito gets the credit he deserves, but two pros, pros.
3: Yeah, I mean, Martel was a a babyface for a long time working in Montreal, and, you know, he's from Quebec City. And then he kind of went to the AWA and then he comes to the WWF, you know, like a lot of those guys ended up happening in the late 80s as the rest of the promotions kind of die off. And he has a good run, mainly as a heel, which is funny because he was a career babyface up until that point.
1: Wait, what happened? Is this two out
3: of three falls? It's, yes, yes. Two three two falls. Out of three, yeah.
1: Oh, so Martel with the first fall with the Boston Crab. They did a lot of two out of three falls tag team matches tag on Saturday matches. Night's Main Event.
3: Yeah, maybe Vince had the was was in one of those moods where he said he can't have any wrestling during the, the ad breaks. Right. So if you're going to have a longer match, yeah, because
1: uh, yeah, there's been a lot because they also have the
3: demolition and the
1: brain busters after this. Uh, that was a two out of three falls match where the titles changed. I'm, I'm thinking there was a couple others. We saw a couple already. Yeah, we saw the Bulldogs
2: and the Hearts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Demolition, good point by Demolition. They're not highlighted on the show. Obviously, there's big plans for them. But that tag division, to me, it was almost like they never – the hearts were too popular. So if they wanted to bury – not bury them, but if they wanted to put them on the the side, they didn't last long because they were very popular. The hearts go for a while without the belts now. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, the, the tag team division was just so loaded. Vince has never been particularly a big tag team guy to begin with. Um, it was it was a tough do- uh, terrain to, to succeed for a while. I mean, demolition's huge. They haven't cracked a Saturday Night's main event. Uh, now you have two veterans in Martel and Tito in the division. Very competitive field. Yeah, Bruce
1: bringing up that Martel uh, injured his uh, sh- shoulder in a house show rematch with demolition uh, in May, and yeah, he was out until January. I think it was a little after May, but I remember uh, they actually showed that on Primetime Wrestling. Uh, so, yeah, Martel would be, you know, on the shelf uh, not too many months after this.
3: When it comes to G- WWE Jerry, tag team. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. That, read it. Read Jerry85G
1: saying he has the exact same Macho Man shirt that I'm wearing.
3: I don't think it's macho, a classic. Macho Man is not on this show.
1: I know. Yeah, this I is think. the first one
3: I think we've watched that he's not it's on. It's the first one he doesn't even have a match, yeah. to my knowledge. I think he's been wrestling on every single one of these so far. So, Which we were so heavy because- on madness it's and mania the, two yeah. episodes ago <laughs> you know we're like this is going to be the start of this yeah. big thing and it hasn't been mentioned since um
1: yeah, well uh Drew greer the third uh mentioning rick martell having a nice late run in wcw in the mid card yeah I, i've always felt like they could have done more with him because um, he's not that old at that point no and he was just coming off the model
2: that was a pretty big hit um mm-hmm. you know he
1: had established a good character yeah
2: with Razor Ramon, like when when Shawn yeah. they, they took the belt off Sean, and Martel was good. Yeah, for the
1: Intercontinental title. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So
1: he was so effective as a heel, then they brought him in as babyface in WCW, and they did nothing with him. So I wasn't a big fan. Ten of how years he later,
2: went. he he win he wins every belt. I mean, just a guy that again was really talented, but um, it was just so competitive in WWE. Even even late nineties, he's covered in gold. But,
1: Bruce mentioning the the shape that Martel is in, he uh, looks completely different from his AWA run.
3: Yeah,
1: I mean, you look
3: at yeah,
1: you look at the pictures of Martel in the AWA, and it's you would think almost think it's a different guy.
2: Still flying around, still working that like style. The drop kicks are are pristine.
3: Yeah, he 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 gets in the air. Yeah, Justin, to your point, talking about tag teams in WWF, I thought, um. Uh, FTR made a really interesting point on the Jericho podcast when they were on about a month ago. They kind of talked about that. If you're in WWE Hold
1: on real quick, uh, Tito just pinned Boris Zukov, so they won two straight falls. So,
3: Great yeah. so yeah, I love yeah, that. His, his it, cane it, it, was thrown it, it, in, hit the yeah. wrong, hit off with the cane.
1: I hate champions losing a fall. I, I always, always like it best when champions stay unbeatable until it's time to lose. Until you yeah, have
2: Especially to if they don't need to, like they didn't right. need to drop one of the Bolsheviks. I mean, right. what's the point? I, I completely agree.
3: But what I was saying about tag teams at FTR, they said, in WWE, if you're much more likely to get a push if you're two singles guys thrown into a tag team than you are if you're, like, an actual tag team.
0: Oh, and
3: yeah. uh, that's, like, super true, and I never really thought of it that way. Um, and But that's kind of how WWE looks at its yeah. tag team division, as a, a way for people who aren't really doing anything else to do something, and you can get more guys involved, as opposed to kind of building up Long-term established teams, although yeah, I mean, there's the New Day and Usos and some of that. But this yes, is a great yeah, segment. But I
2: don't know when I'm gonna have another chance to do it. All you girls, you gone a bit too far. I'm not safe behind the wheel of my car. You did a wheel of to me. It's effect on me. Yeah,
1: to the karaoke. Great song, it is.
2: The next time I ask to "Girls in Cars" at karaoke, I'm gonna get booed out of there. I don't think they have it on the karaoke. I don't games. think you can find it yet. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think no one's yeah. going to
3: know what you're thinking.
1: Yeah, Sika here you. with Mr. Fuji and a, a giant hoagie. No chicken this time.
3: Well, he has the hoagie because he's facing Jake Roberts, and he says he's going to eat the snake, uh, so he
1: needs the, the bread to put the snake in. Sika, of course, R- Roman Reigns' memory. I mean, Memory. Jesus. Uh, sorry, Joe Greer at the same time wrote, Great memories. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that
1: spoonful of mustard is disgusting. That's so gross.
3: <laughs> I, yeah. thought, I was wondering if you think that's real mustard.
1: So, yeah, Sika is Roman Reigns' father is what I meant. Yeah.
3: I mean, he was eating a raw chicken last time we saw him, so.
2: Yeah, I'm,
1: <laughs> mustard is a – I'd much rather eat mustard.
2: I would, but, man. It doesn't
3: feel whole. One half so of the spicy.
2: Samoans yeah. doesn't feel whole without the other. You need them both.
3: Yeah. Well, Sika retires this year in 1988, so this is uh, – I mean, I think this might be his last appearance in Saturday that's Night's a, main event. Sika yeah, has I mean, a good I mean, finish,
1: yeah, though. Yeah, some high-profile matches, you know, on these... Hogan and Jake? I mean, Hogan huge. And Jake,
3: yeah. And, and they're really behind Jake at this point. Yeah. Um, this is, you again... See Davis some... getting those paydays in late 87, yeah. 88. They sure did. And Gene Oakland does such a good job in all of his interviews with Jake selling the idea that he's afraid of the snake, and Jake's holding up the snake's face right to him, so... Jake's probably, promos
2: Jake No one probably was. Yeah. I'm sure Gene didn't want to the one. Of them.
1: Yeah, Jake's promos, man, never yelling. So good, so good. Just you could learn from him today. Uh, you know, I, that's one thing I think is always missing is the story and character and promos like that are just you know so great. Yes, you have some people that could do it now.
3: Yeah, but, on the a, flip-
1: but not that many.
3: On the flip side, ride- works really
1: well his
2: style, but Jake's yeah. was so different. Savage. Yeah. Jake, Jake was so different than anybody else at the top of the card.
3: Yeah, exactly. I I feel like guys don't yell enough now in promos. I think a lot of the guys talk stuff. Like I remember, did you guys see the Tully Blanchard Blanchard promo uh, promo where he kind of rips into Sean Spears and he just basically yells the entire time? It's totally great. And I think a big part of that is that you rarely see that kind of intensity in a promo these days.
1: Yeah, if everyone's doing it, then it gets drowned out. But uh, here, like you said, Hogan, when he's doing it, it's so different than... You know, his style, than Savage, then Roberts, you know, then, uh, then so Even many Flair Flair, Flair. Flair yelled
2: a lot, but very different style.
1: Yeah. Then if DiBiase. So, DiBiase kind of, he, he wasn't re- he talked loud, but he wasn't really yelling. Yeah, yeah
3: there's a diff- You can have energy without, like, yelling.
1: Yeah. Piper was usually yelling, but still, like, it was way different. It, you know, it was
2: su- such different styles. So I see the comment from from Bruce about uh, Jake DDTing Hulk. Yeah, late nineteen eighty six. The crowd liked it, and this might be an unpopular take on it, but what a great move to never revisit that again. Now you could have, uh, but Taker was on that that Survivor Series ninety one. But like holy Hogan, Hogan's the golden goose, and I, yeah. I don't think anybody else, whether you like Hulk or dislike Hulk, I don't think anybody else can can do what he did for that stretch. Like That's so, I, I mean, I I love Jake, and I think it's a great character. But I, I think they made the right move by by keeping those two away. Hogan was the guy. There was nobody else, to me at least. They uh, they could have been the guy in wrestling, not Dusty, not I, I don't know. I just I don't think anybody could have carried them quite like Hulk from yeah, so, uh, WrestleMania one through seven.
1: So, so for for the people listening on the podcast, Bruce had said, "Can you imagine late nineteen eighty six, Jake the Snake had would Hulk Hogan, and they were going to do a four month run on the house shows, but." The fans cheered Jake that night, and mentioning it probably cost Jake 200 grand. might be even more. Um, More than that, yeah. But it's funny you say that, Justin, because I agree 100%. I kind of said the same thing. You don't want your fans turning on your top baby face when they're not done yet. So why put them in a situation where they could get booed when you can put them against anyone else? You make the same amount of money, and you you keep that fan reaction.
2: And Jake Um, wasn't as as great as Jake was. He's just like, to this day, Jake's just so dark, right? right? I mean, even if he's likable. And he yeah. got very Jake was huge. Yeah. He still wasn't uh, like the pure baby based Like Hulk is
3: just so different and so unique. And, yeah. um, and in '86, there wasn't a shortage of heels that Hogan could work with and draw yeah. money. So they weren't yeah. beholden to having to put him with Jake because and, they and, didn't and, have anyone
1: else. And it's not like he was getting booed elsewhere, and you know, no. or it's just you don't want it to turn into the cool thing to to cheer the guy facing Hulk. Definitely. Well, we've seen that happen recently. Um, well, you saw. I mean, well, I remember when right Sid in. when Sid vicious threw out Hogan in that that Royal Rumble, and the pop was just insane. Um, no, and granted, wrestling. they edited that
2: later, but uh, yeah, I mean, even even wrestling. Shawn Michaels Survivor Series with Sid. That speaking yeah. of Sid, mm-hmm. uh, that crowd is going crazy. Two, you know, entirely behind Sid. Yeah, who had and just I know cheated I like to win. win. Yeah, yeah, he, the video camera.
1: Yeah. Wrestling and you take
3: out his old manager as well. Like, wrestling uh, fans, I love that too. Yeah. Wrestling fans always, to me, like, they're going to respond to something new and exciting happening, even if that person is supposed to be the heel of the babyface. That's why right now, whenever someone turns, they get cheered, even if they turned heel, because fans like change. They like action. They like seeing someone take initiative. And that's, I think, that's always going to be the case. Jake and
0: Sika,
1: this match is actually pretty good. Yeah, It's nice not beat. something you would consider uh, being a good match. Fuji catching Jake's foot with his cane. Sika it's, lo- just reminding me so much of Umaga here. And Jake picking up the pinfall after uh, Sika missed a charge in the corner. So
2: it's interesting. He doesn't hit him with the DDT. Which you rarely see later with Jake. It's always DDT finishes. Interesting... Um, Seek the barefoot here uh, to hear Booker T's comments about Matt Riddle being barefoot. The last big star in WWE I can remember being barefoot. And post-injury, he came back wearing boots. I can't think of anyone recently bigger than Rusev. Yeah, Rusev.
1: And be- yeah, I'm trying to think. There's Umaga. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Didn't, but that was a long time ago. Fuji with some interesting Fuji- selling. Fuji convulsing
2: <laughs> is amazing. Fuji yeah. was so good.
1: John P. Domizio saying the scripted overproduced way of doing things is not working and it's not organic. There's no spontaneity. Bruce will be relieved of his job. If ratings drop on either network or not happy, I agree with the, the not organic. Um,
2: Can I focus on one word in that, in that comment? He said, no spontaneity. When's I couldn't agree more. When's yeah. the last time you're watching raw and you felt it was electric or, or spontaneous. It just doesn't, it doesn't feel that way. Um, and I, I'm sorry, I, I won't put that on Paul Heyman. I mean, he's got a boss. He's got somebody that he has to defer to. I, um, yeah, it would have been interesting had they let let the show loose under Paul's reign uh, realm, but obviously it didn't happen. I, I like the use of the snake. I'm jumping around. I like the use of the snake in this match too.
3: Yeah, Raw's well, definitely spontaneous. I don't know if it's there's plenty of, there's plenty of times it's spontaneous. I don't know. A lot of times it's not for the better.
1: Uh. Not, I don't know, Jess. I'm talking about a spontaneous in an exciting way.
3: Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I'm yeah. just saying uh, random uh, stuff uh, happens in WWE all the time. It's just usually not very good. Oh, and no. I know we were younger, but watching the old, like even if you watch an
2: old Nitro, those shows were right. exciting. They they were, you knew they were starting hot. Uh, they, and the, obviously wrestling's it's hurting. Even though AEW does a better job, it's hurting with no crowd. Um, there's like Raw, three hour Raw is missing a lot of energy.
1: Yeah. And you know, and when people say it's the times, the times are different. I don't know if you remember the Shield and the Wyatt family when they finally wrestled, and the fans were going nuts, and they were on the, you know, the standing up at, you know, as the match started before they even touched. Yeah. You can still shield do it if Rhodes, you book too. them. What's that? Yeah, the road, the Rhodes brothers. Yeah, you can still get shield. that yeah. re- response if you build things up right. Look at Andre here. So
3: King Kong Bundy, Andre, and Bobby Heenan. So Bundy did beat Hogan via countout uh, on the last episode of Saturday Night's main event, which sets up this match. But really, this is about Andre and Hogan, even though Bundy is contending for the title.
2: Andre, a very animated Andre the Giant in that promo there. Uh, he looks like two million bucks in that in that suit jacket. Yeah. I wanted to pull out a suit jacket tonight and wear it, but I don't have anything on, on my elbows, and yeah. I don't have any. I couldn't do it justice.
1: Yeah. They're replaying Hogan thrashing Bobby Heenan at the the last Saturday Night's Main Event. Yeah, King Kong Bundy with the rare victory up at at this point on Saturday Night's Main Event over Hogan. Hogan, I can't remember him losing on Saturday Night's Main Event before this. He would go on after, but... uh, So it was a a pretty big deal at the time. That's why, like, all the kids, when I watched this, everyone was glued. I wasn't as big a wrestling fan yet. I was starting to get into it, but... uh, this was the night that turned me into a mega fan. Like
2: I just became obsessed. Great strut prep by Bundy. Also critical use of managers so far. Also different too. The Slickster, Fuji, Keenan, all very, very different, but, but each play a critical role in their match. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Justin, someone asked me uh, the other day talking about AEW and like, do you think there's too? someone asked me, there's too many heel managers in AEW. There's too many bad guys being managed by heels. And I said, well, not the same, exactly the same. We've been watching these Saturday nights, main events, and I don't think once have we said, hey, that guy would be better if he – that heel would be better if he didn't have the manager. It's always a bonus. Yeah. There
1: there have been times – we haven't seen it yet, but there are times when someone's mismatched. Sure. But uh, like Mr. Fuji and Jeff Jarrett when that was a thing for like a week or two. Hogan looked like he took a, a shower in baby yeah. oil. Yeah.
3: I was gonna say, what do you think the <laughs> WWF's baby oil budget was for 1988? Jesus, limitless. Yeah, the GDP of a small country. Yeah. The only issue I have with the Jake pairing with
2: um, Lance Archer is, I guess, I mean, I don't think Lance needs a voice, but I, I know Jake's so recognizable, Jake the Snake, right? He's in wrestling, but at the same point, too, I wonder if you, you can't put Jake with a lot of guys. Jake's just too big. Like he's t- so if Jake's with a guy who's half his size. Do you hurt his credibility? So mm-hmm. I understand why maybe Archer is the the right fit in that sense.
1: Yeah, Bruce Banner uh, pointing out that Hogan was pinned four times from eighty four to ninety three. That's a, think about that stretch nine years, and so how big of a deal it was when Hogan did get pinned. Andre Warrior, Taker, Taker, and Yokozuna. There were some house show matches where Hogan got pinned by Ric Flair, and then the the you know Ric Flair used brass knucks so the referee mm-hmm. would been another referee would come they restart the match and hogan got the win but as far as getting pinned
3: and losing that's absolutely right yeah I mean, four. that's how you did it back then i mean the reason part of the reason hogan is so over and he's the immortal hulk hogan is because he didn't lose now look how much drier hogan is now yeah <laughs> but there's no fifty-fifty. there's no 50 50 booking there's yeah. no like i'm gonna put this guy over so like Hogan, Hogan is the guy because he wins so much and that's what career, helps creating you know obviously he's got charisma he's yeah. a good talker obviously amazing look but he has that mystique and that aura because he always won and yeah, no, as no, we're okay. going you know when people would say like Roman Reigns oh
1: he wins again or you know any other top guy Brock wins again that's what you do with your top guys you protect them so when they do lose it's a big deal they shouldn't be I mean, doing, it, hurt the, it
2: hurts 50, the current 50. guys like Hogan played in a, in a perfect era for his character Mm-hmm. You know, maybe Roman's huge back then, too. But w- if Hogan had to work raw every Monday and the show ended every Monday and there was, you know, a, I mean, it would it just it was it's oversaturation. Yeah. Um, well, now,
1: even When Austin was wrestling, you know, he didn't he would be on every Monday, but he didn't wrestle that often. Yeah, you still keep right. those matches to, you know, uh, once a month or a couple of times you, a month.
3: You yeah. wanted to sell pay-per-views. So yeah. you, you didn't, you know, if Austin was wrestling every week, why would pay for him to, you know, on the pay-per-view. Yeah. And Austin was really at his best when he wasn't wrestling, because what made him such a star was his promos and his crazy segments and him stunning Vince. And it wasn't necessarily him having to wrestle actual matches.
0: Yeah. And they,
2: they they have a very different philosophy with the title run, which I wonder if AEW does with Mox. I know Mox was wearing the uh, the Stone Cold shirt last week. But in terms of I don't think Brian Cage wins the belt, but um Austin was always chasing Hogan yeah. was Hogan was the guy. So very different philosophy in terms of Vince like When you were Hogan, you were the champ. Uh, When you had Austin, I think the first three of Austin's title runs were like ninety days, somewhere around there. Austin was the money was in the chase for Stone Cold. He had a short one with Kane, but then he won it the
1: next night, like at that
2: last blood match, uh, first blood match. I mean, yeah, uh,
1: but yeah, that first year he was mostly on top. But yes, after that, he was uh, he was chasing a lot. And you know what? I think if Hogan lost to Savage, like a disputed finish at WrestleMania Five. That would have been fire, Hogan chasing Savage for a year. It could have been
2: like an Hogan-Andre thing, you know? It just seemed like they had that formula, Raj, and they wouldn't go from it. Yeah. I know yeah. they did it at WrestleMania 4, but Hulk, even they didn't, because that WrestleMania 4 still ends with Hulk posing, right? Like right? Hulk closes the show, Hulk wins. Yeah. Uh-oh. So,
1: Amy is asking, who is this referee? I've seen him a lot in this area, but I don't know his name. Uh,
3: is that is that Dave Hebner? Let me see.
1: Um, oh, no. I don't know. No.
3: It's not Dave Hebner, it's not Joey Morella.
1: I don't know that ref. Uh I yeah, I have seen I have seen him on other shows and Great I don't think they have ever That'll seen research. His name.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I guess they he probably they probably do. We're just not paying attention. It's Dean Malenko. Um I just Dean Malenko does referee from Saturday Night's Men events when they were in Tampa. Mm-hmm. But it's, I, it's not him now. James Flass bringing up
1: that the uh, Dayton five-hour-long TV taping that he went to at the at the Hera Arena. They closed the show with a dark match where Hogan Flair, Flair cheats, the match was restarted. Yeah. I remember just seeing Hogan get pinned even in a house show match, even though it was restarted. It was just it was just jarring at, in that era.
3: Yeah, I mean, if I'm booking a promotion now, I would say, like, if I have a, a, my top baby face, I'd only have him lose, like, like, three times a year max, all things considered. They can lose well, to another... T- I, I,
1: I think uh, what AEW is doing with Moxie is the exactly the right way to do it. He hasn't been pinned yet.
3: Yeah, and it's not just it's not just AEW. Like, I think of how New Japan books Okada. Like, Okada only loses, mm. like, to top guys very rarely. And, or he'll lose to, like, someone like Sonata. And then it really helps that guy. But other than that, he always wins. And that creates... That means that when he does actually lose... It's a really, really big deal. And I think that's something that WWE could learn from. And I feel like they are doing that with Drew to an extent. Yeah. I don't think Drew's going to be losing a
1: lot. Drew hasn't lost yet. He hasn't been pinned yet this year. yeah. Uh, to your really... point, if, if, with uh, Justin, you brought up Brian Cage. I I, I think it, just beating Brian Cage off the bat, you know, I think that, it, you know, with uh, with Lance Archer and uh, and Brody Lee, it hurt some of their momentum. You know, by being, being beaten right off the bat. And Cage is another one, another monster. And to beat him right off the bat, uh, if that is indeed the plan, just seems like a, a mistake to me. Unless they are beating Moxley, and Moxley is going to Japan since Japan is running shows again in June, in
3: July. Um, yeah, I don't think the f- the foreigners can get into Japan right now. I don't know, maybe that will change at some point. But they, they made and some I think accept- if you put
2: the belt on a heel, it's MJF, but... Cage would be a unique guy. I mean, that's how you build the stuff. If Brian Cage wins that belt on TV, mm-hmm. um, it would be interesting. It yeah. would make him.
1: It would be – put a rocket strap on him. They could yeah. use some top heels right now uh, because, what, like I said, they, some of Mox? them would water down. You just got Jericho in a lot of ways.
2: If you did a Clever Lang Rocky story where where Cage just wrecks him, I, I think it only – I mean, it doesn't hurt – it's not like Mox is no less of a star. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, and, and then I, you, doing that comeback where he, you know, it. it yeah, I think it, it could be great, yeah. And then you could really, also, really, during that time, set up Cody versus Cage, and
3: uh, well,
1: I guess he Cody can't, can't wrestle for that. the title.
3: Yeah. I've really enjoyed Taz, like just his promos, just a few promos. I like the one last night where Mox is kind of like talking smack about him in the parking lot, and Taz just comes out and interrupts him, gets right in his face. I really like, I think Taz can cut those really nice, intense promos. And unfortunately, he's been kind of misused for, I don't know, the last 20 years. So I'm glad to see him kind of in that role again because he's really good at it.
1: Bruce saying that Hogan and Sarah was going on before intermission because the Savage matches and the tag matches like Hearts, Demolition Busters, he can follow. That, that wasn't the reason.
3: It was usually to get out of the arena early. And, yeah, uh, lot- well, they would do like on weekend shows they would do like Hogan would work like the opening match or a match in the first half of the show in one venue. And then he would fly to like another city. That's like an hour flight away and then work the main event. And they would be able to advertise Hogan on two shows and get two houses out of them on the weekends.
2: So the,
3: uh... we the Hogan Bundy slam Hogan slam Bundy, which is nice. Yeah. So this is Bundy's last televised match in the WWF for six years. Yeah. yeah. So he, he leaves after this, apparently according to this, uh, half-ass internet research corner, Bundy was felt like he was being underpaid by Vince at this time. And then he goes and does a advertisement for a Dutch computer company, which Vince didn't like because it went behind Vince's back and Vince wasn't involved in it. And that caused a big riff. Bundy says that he wasn't treated the same by Vince after that. And so he leaves and he doesn't come back until 1994.
2: If Bundy stays, we play the what if game, but if he probably gets a run with macho, he just is fodder for the macho man, right? Like yeah. in that title reign, maybe he's in the tournament. I mean, yeah. the tournament, it's, 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 it's not designed for him at four. Uh, and maybe he headlines, maybe best case, he headlines a pay-per-view with, with Randy, but Probably not a paper, like probably a Saturday
1: out. night's main event. Yeah. But yeah, because yeah, he, he, he would have probably, run. he could have, I could easily see him in that one man gang spot where they have a disputed, you know, where uh, Macho beats him in the tournament by countout and then they wrestle on the next Saturday night's main event. But yeah, I mean, Bundy's, you know, star had kind of
2: faded here. So and if you look a, at that, that, that trajectory, then what's next? Then he's in a tag team. I don't see Bundy as, even though Bundy and Stud would have been fun had they, had they stuck together longer and had a tag team title run. Who's Bundy gonna tag with? But but Gang was with Boss Man, uh, Earthquake, who had a really fun singles run. Uh, got cast away, but he, he made the most of it with the disasters. So I don't know where you go next with Bundy if he stays. Yeah,
3: I'll say this about Bundy: having watched these shows, I think Bundy is the person that I think I've been the most uh, exceeded my expectations the most. I think he's pretty underrated as a worker. He's been having – he's had pretty good matches with Hogan. He does a great job selling comebacks. He does a really good job in pretty much everything he's done. He's been very impressive for me. It's a little unfortunate that he would leave the company because he's still, I think, like under 30 years old at this point. He's really young, and he really wouldn't – he kind of goes into retirement. He doesn't really come back, you know, in wrestling until 1994.
1: And you could have paired him with some of the guys that were – you know upper mid card like the jake the snakes and the hacksaw jim duggins and
3: you could put him in a tag team with like a smaller guy and kind of do like a big guy you know small guy hiding behind the big guy um, so i'm not sure why he
1: left maybe i'm guessing there must have been a reason maybe he was burnt out or something i remember he was starting to get a lot of movie roles at that point and he was appearing on married with children uh in the richard i'll go go back and look
2: to uh with the referee that gets hurt there obviously hebner replaces him but i'll look to Maybe Ventura drops his name in that. I just I didn't hear it. I wasn't looking for it when I watched earlier, and I I couldn't hear it there. But maybe, maybe we find out who that. Is. I'm curious now too.
1: Yeah, James Potts saying I think once Bundy lost to Hogan, his stock dropped. He wasn't as believable as a big monster, and I feel like regardless of outside things, he would never grow to that level again. Probably not. He probably wouldn't I have mean, grown to that. Even WrestleMania two, that was kind of a stretch. It just felt like uh, they they rushed. They needed an opponent for Hogan. It was. Bundy or Sabin and I felt like Vince probably thought it was Bundy was more menacing.
2: But the exception, yeah, Andre. An every monster wasn't the same following the Hogan feud. Andre was Andre, different, yeah. different guy, different player. Just you know, a legend. But everybody else, it was hard to come back. Yeah,
1: Bossman did have a, a, a good run with Hogan, but like they, did, and I remember they did huge house
2: shows. Um, but yeah, it it just wasn't the same. You're right. Bossman body. Speaking of body changes, we talked about Rick Martell earlier. The boss man, like the Twin Tower Slick era, is totally different. And the boss man of the WrestleMania 7 Mr. very match, very different than the authority boss man. He changes look quite a bit, too. Size as well. So, Another again, category.
1: with this, we didn't have a, a match go through the commercial break. Re- I'm, well, it, it was stopped because the referee got splashed, and they cut the commercial, and they came back, and now the match resumes. So maybe they did have this that mentality uh, during this time that a match doesn't go through a commercial break
0: yeah
3: i think we have, we've seen wwf at this time really likes doing a lot of stuff they like doing referees getting knocked down they like doing restarts of matches they like doing those things and maybe that's just a convenient time to go to ad break or if it was a conscious choice to be like we don't want to have anyone wrestling during the I'm, ad breaks
1: dick ever was a huge part of this i wouldn't be surprised if that was his call you like he's like you're you don't have matches during the commercial you don't have action during a commercial yeah. break
2: yeah yeah Great story, too, here that Hebner comes in as the new referee. Yeah. Because Hebner's about to become, you know, a key piece of this Hogan-Andre story. So nice that they kind of – and they they don't force him in the story. He Mm -hmm. had to come in because the guy was hurt. Again, the attention to detail here is uh, infuriating when you compare it to the current product, but outstanding uh, as well.
1: Yeah. I wonder if that's Dave or Earl because Earl –
3: so Earl, this is did, Earl didn't come in yet, right? He just Earl, came in for Dave. that yeah.
1: angle. Okay.
3: Earl makes his appearance in the angle. They were, um, I think they both started wrestling refereeing in for um, JCP at the time, and then Dave went to the WWF first, and then um, I just heard, the, I just read about the story. It's like Dave asked, "Hey Vince, can you hire my brother? He's looking to, to come up here and, and he wants to leave JCP." And he's like, "Yeah, he's my twin brother." And then Vince was like, oh, your twin brother? And he's like, yeah, like identical twins? Yeah, we look exactly alike. And Dave was like, I mean, Vince was like super excited because he thought of that angle or how they could use it for a storyline purpose.
1: So Bundy going for the, wants the five count. Love Big that e he doesn't pie. want
2: to, yeah, he wants the five count, yeah.
1: But Hogan still kicked out at two. Obviously, he's not going to kick out at four. Uh, <laughs> Big E took used the Bundy five count years later in NXT. I just thought it was a cool... Uh, Cool gimmicks, and now Hogan's hulking up, and now we know what's coming.
2: Jesse, you're right. to spry, versatile for a big guy.
1: Yeah, moves
2: are heavy. I think we're also been good.
1: You know, for, yeah. for
2: two big I, we, guys thought, are very
1: entertaining. I thought the Recently WrestleMania Two was WrestleMania two. Too. Yeah, Hogan uh, got the 11. win, got the leg, got the victory. Now the real,
2: yeah, the real stuff starts here. A very different Bundy than we saw at WrestleMania 11 against Taker. Oh yeah. I think maybe the time off just
1: hurt him. Uh, maybe just because Taker style then, too. He, he they just he, Taker was never really good with big guys. The only guy, big guy, I could think that he worked well with was Diesel. Well, I liked him with Kane. Yoko. Yeah, yeah y- Yoko too. Yeah, You're true. True. You're yeah,
3: yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah Kane. I, 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 so big tall man. guys. <laughs> yeah, Kane or Brock if you count Brock as a big guy.
1: Yeah, him and Brock had some great ones. a WrestleMania match, even though uh, it wasn't great as far as the match itself, the ending was so iconic that it, it's
3: got to be considered one of the greatest matches. I like. Uh, it's funny. I actually ha- have never rewatched that match. But I remember at the time on my review, I think I gave it like three and a half stars and said, like, I thought it was an amazing, like a really awesome match. And everyone says it sucks. And Undertaker was concussed like five seconds into it and doesn't remember anything about what was happening. So... Yeah, so here,
1: so Ho- Andre was about to leave. Hogan started posing. Andre comes in from behind and just starts choking
2: the this crap is, out look of at him. This an awesome is visual. Incredible.
1: Yeah, Andre's face, Hogan... Hogan
3: well, this and, is... And you just keep thinking well, that I Hogan's going to power out. And then Andre yeah. keeps taking him down. And this is what, like, Andre, physically he's not the same guy at this point but he never lost the ability with facials with timing with the ability to kind of sell what he's doing and that's all that's really required of him in this storyline it really works And the bulldogs
1: come in they start hammering away and then Andre just dumps them out like a piece of trash Andre let's go (laughs) he barely sells it knocks their heads together
2: and then Some classic, I, of, classic of,
1: Andre offense. Yeah. A two sacks of garbage to the floor, McMahon. And, and him choking Hogan. I remember watching this with my friends, and we were like, you know, we were just cannot believe what was happening.
2: I don't understand, and obviously you don't have to do it a carbon copy of it, but you have the big show McIntyre feud. You need to sell. You get big show because you want to sell his new Netflix show or highlight it, right, Co- yeah. across Promote. I just, to me, this is an easy way to do McIntyre Big Show. Yeah. Have him choke him out after on that Raw After Mania and get two or three weeks out of it. You're not getting two or three months. Right. I'm just amazed it was so, it was over before, it, it was over in 15 minutes. Yeah. So now we got Strike Force, Jake the
1: Snake, JYD out. Andre still, let's go for a second, puts it back on, and then Hacksaw okay. comes in with the 2 watch, by 4
3: Watch what happens to the 2 by 4 when Hacksaw goes. Hacksaw, Hacksaw keeps right. hitting him. watch what happens to the two by four and hacksaw swings it outside the ring oh (laughs) (laughs) he breaks it in half and the other half like a shard goes flying into the stands definitely wasn't supposed to happen and someone could have really gotten hurt
1: yeah bruce with a good point here andre owned hogan on saturday night's main event the battle royal yeah where he eliminated hogan here where andre just now on hogan's carried out andre's posing with the belt hogan looks just dead Andre, uh, Bruce bringing up the main event, you had to pay to see Hogan get at Andre because smart booking. absolutely. You get the big audiences watching to get him invested to see, you know if Hogan can
2: Those big hands, the perspiration, yeah. the belt around his and, waist, holding
3: it in the air, I mean, just everything about makes, Andre was money He makes the belt yeah. look like a toy when he's holding yeah. it You're like, oh, the title belt' yeah. like this big like gaudy belt and it looks like just like an ornament. All right that was some angle. Joe Greer saying Andre had to get some heat. He did, sure did. And that is basically sets up the, from a viewership standpoint, the most successful angle in, in WWF American wrestling history. Yeah, that we'll
1: be covering next week. Um, biggest, yes, the biggest wrestling show ever,
3: really, as far as popularity goes in the U.S. <clears throat> Sorry. So Jesse is doing the interview with, because again, he wants to ask the right questions and Oakland wouldn't ask the right questions. So now Jesse's in charge interviewing the heels. Jesse was so great. I don't know how he came. I don't
1: know how he came up with some of these outfits. He's really good on this episode in particular. I need to finish this gray tank top and, and Zub, Zub, whatever the the Zubas were called. Well, actually it's like snakeskin pants. Uh, And he's like, I need to finish it off with a pink scarf and green bandana, green tiger bandana.
2: Does he have boots on or shoes? You wonder how that ensemble is uh, completed. Very curious.
1: All right.
3: It's a trivia question time. This isn't a real thinker. How old do you think Greg Valentine is right now in this video?
2: 47. I'm kidding. Probably
3: in his 20s.
1: I'd say
2: well, I'd say early thirties. I'm gonna say. I'll 20. say 33.
1: I'm gonna say 28. He's 37. Oh, all
2: right.
1: He's him and like Arn Anderson. They've kind of looked the same for such a long <laughs> period of time.
3: Yeah, it's like kind of like a Morgan Freeman thing. Is you start off looking really old, so then when you get older, you just kind of look. It looks like you didn't age at all. It's like Steve. Coco
2: had been in his twenties. No, he must be here. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Steve Martin has looked the same my whole life. He's always looked old, like gray hair.
2: Yeah. You know. See how old Gene Okerlund till the end. Gene Gene looked. The, I mean, Gene went through a stretch where, like, the end of WWF. He worked at King of the Ring. He goes to WCW. He doesn't change that much. Yeah, I like how he never tried
1: to grow a goatee or doing anything. He just kept it classic.
3: Yeah. yeah. So Coco Coco's thirty in this. Uh, yeah, young. Yeah. Done
1: by. Uh, I agree with Bruce here. Hogan and Andre, then the Mega Powers, those two years of storytelling still may be the best
3: ever. I, I agree. I mean, if you just go by money, I mean, those are the two driving angles that took My, WWF to new heights. Yeah. Look, I mean, look at the attendance at a fair view. One of in well, the interesting things about WrestleMania 4 is that they do that record number at WrestleMania 3. Massive, massive crowd. And they don't go back to a stadium until WrestleMania 6, when you would have to think that they would have been able to draw a massive crowd well that's
1: no they could have that's because they got paid a ton of money by trump for to it hold it plaza. at trump plaza the next two years because yeah, that was I, the worst setting ever for wrestlemania in my opinion yeah. was trump plaza it was dead it was all casino people that you know didn't even watch wrestling they only reacted to hogan it, um, yeah,
3: it was like the, uh, the like the saudi arabia crowd saudi arabia crowd is probably better I'm thinking like the front row, of the Saudi Arabia crowd, where it's like oh, yeah. the guys are walking around, like backsterned. Yeah, because at least the rest of the crowd made noise. This, you know, it's quality work by Frankie. Uh, you know, being able to balance on the on the rope, and I think Frankie is the MVP of this match. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem bothered by the crowd either. Speaking no, Trump, like I was, I was thinking of about
1: they they're, they're oh. doing the Republican. It's now official that the Republican National Convention will be in Jacksonville, Florida. So. Uh, or a host Daly's of, place,
2: they said, Jess uh,
1: What's that at Daly's? They're doing it at Daly's. Oh, god, <laughs> you got me there for a second. So, when you're talking about wrestling going back to arenas, it's probably happening sooner than later. So, it's I'll be surprised okay.
2: if you know I get to work on this story, but I'll be, I'll be surprised if SummerSlam is not held in front of a live crowd, <laughs> me too, especially if oh,
1: New yes, Japan's yes. going to be held, you know, in front of fans here in, in July. And that's still another month.
3: Yeah. I mean, it depends on the case rates. I saw, I was just looking okay, for Florida I think, is like, jumping up right now. Yeah. There's a big spike in cases. So Georgia leveled to, off They, they plateau. Yeah. So I don't know how stubborn, you know, individuals, everyone's going to be about it, but I mean, that'd be the main thing to determine whether or not you're going to see fans is if the rates remain flat, probably see fans soon. If they spike back up, I could see maybe with that
1: I could see with that governor. I could see him allowing. Yeah, I mean, it with it's some... going to
3: vary state state. I'm pretty sure SummerSlam is not going to be in Boston um, right. in
1: August. Yeah. So no. Greg Valentine versus Coco Beware. Um, Coco, I was a fan of Coco when it when I was a kid, just because he did so much cool stuff that he never really got to see with the main guys, but mm-hmm. on superstars with the smaller guys that he'd wrestle, his the Brainbuster was his finishing move, which was so cool. Um, you know he'd he do the flying drop kick off the top,
3: which you didn't see many people do back then. Yeah, and you know he's one of those people whose name and you know with his gimmick and stuff, he's very mem- he's remembered very you know fondly today. Yeah. Valentine, one of those rare guys, one of those rare heels, who
2: when he went to the top rope would actually hit his double back handle. Right. He wouldn't be like flare be thrown off or have his tights pulled. He, actually, he was he was he was up and down quick, but he'd actually deliver or execute hmm
1: Amy bringing up that Jesse calls Coco buckwheat throughout the match. Yeah, I think he did that all the time. The stuff Jesse would say back then, it it would not back. fly today. But
2: yeah. the stuff
1: Jesse would a say back, back then. Too. What's that?
2: A lot of Heenan's comments.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Any oh, any sorry. heel commentator, Jim Cornette back then. I mean, right. he's he's let a couple <laughs> slip out here and there. Jerry Lawler, who's he'll let some of those slip out, but.
3: Um so valentine is in the midst of a little push here he um he's working here obviously against coco he beats ricky steamboat at wrestlemania four in the first round of the tournament before losing to savage so he he's coming out of um and then he goes into a really long feud with ronnie garvin
0: yeah
1: i believe he pretty much won that feud too um yeah it's Jose Sorella saying, "CM Punk reminds me of Macho Man, and Cena reminds me of Hogan." I good promo. Yeah, I, I, I could kind of see that in a lot of ways.
3: Um,
0: I not don't the know. same like,
2: level of star power.
0: Yeah, uh, Cena.
2: Cena yeah. Very but, different presentations at the top of the card. One was kind of the pro, literally in Cena's case, the prototype. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, they're not they're not carbon copies, but I, right. I, I think that's a great point. Yeah, the smaller
1: guy against the the Hulk guy and just having great chemistry and their their storylines were just always a hit. And Coco, Brutus the Barber comes down, distracts Greg Valentine. Coco gets a bunch of near falls.
2: More of a mug than usual work. out of beefcake tonight.
3: Yeah, yeah. And the yeah, crowd yeah. really buys Coco's near falls. They're really into it.
1: Yeah. And so now we got the stop in the action. Valentine composes himself. Yeah, total. uh, That's a total. It's almost like Nash when he came in as Diesel. His uh, beefcake's mullet there. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And now Beefcake's getting sent to the back. Here we got the pause in the match. Yeah, that's definitely the formula. No action. You don't go during a match. Or while they're wrestling.
3: Did Beefcake ever like cut anybody with the hedge clippers? Like he, uh, did he ever actually cut someone, or is he just cut hair?
1: Oh wait, he, he cut the genius's hair. No, I think he means, uh, did he yeah. ever accidentally snip somebody like their fingers or anything with that? Yeah, pliers? well, because oh, he's know.
3: menacing, menacing them with the hedge clippers. But does he actually ever like? Is he threatening to cut their hair? I guess he is, because they sell it on commentary. Like he's gonna cut Greg Valentine's beautiful blonde hair, as uh, Jesse says. But
1: well, yeah, I don't think he ever cut somebody's hair with the hedge clippers. you he would always use the scissors. It right,
2: switched because it was always a disappointment. You wanted to see him
3: use the hedge clippers, right. thinking they
2: were his. That's what he used, but yeah.
3: Well, it's it's always I always we talked about this earlier. Like I don't like it when guys have like a special item to the ring and it's like a real weapon because they can never use it like convincingly.
1: And if they do, it just looks fake. You know, like Triple H with the sledgehammer. Anyone with half a brain is like that. That'll kill you. Well, he doesn't swing well, it blood, properly.
2: Mm-hmm. A good example of that too. The mallets just didn't work.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: the mallets. The sting with the baseball bat. Even Chris Jericho with the baseball bat. Yeah, the oranges like, I'm fine with. <laughs> no,
3: but right. Well, even like now, it's it happens in WWE. Like when people take chair shots, it's become so obvious. Like when they like give someone their back to get hit with the chair, it kind of, it really takes me out of the action. I don't understand why they can't do the headshots with the hands up to the chair, with the chairs. Uh, Cause pe- people will just want to take it and you still graze it enough and yeah. you
1: hit it hard enough. It's I, 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 I actually uh, give props to WWF for that. a decision and make the decisions to not, uh, you know, hit the head with those. I don't want to see
3: real like headshots, but I feel like you can do it safely with your hands getting, getting your hands up
1: you would have to throw a light because things can go wrong. You saw it with Sean Spears and Cody with the, you know,
3: Spears and Cody, he didn't get his hands up. He tried to hit him in the head with a chair and they yeah, tried so to gimmick, exactly. they tried to
1: gimmick the chair. But that's so the whole like, point. Things when, can go wrong. So you don't get totally your hands different. up. You don't know, but you try to get your hands up in time and you don't, uh, or he hits you so hard, your hand flies back when the chips uh, chair still hits you in the head. It's and a, then it's shame
2: on you in this era for doing anything near the head. Right. Yeah. And it's funny, the, the Cody Spears thing, did it really help the story? I don't think so.
1: I mean. Spears didn't really, it's not like he got super over and people were going crazy that he was coming out with the chair. I mean, he right. slid down the card quick.
2: Immediately after yeah. that story, yeah. Yeah. Very different presentation of the figure four, but yeah. I, I I think I prefer. It's tough.
3: I love Valentine's figure four. It's he cool. With it. I like Coco selling it like he's trying to punch him, but his arms aren't long enough to yeah. reach him. And Valentine with the win by
2: submission. He wins. And Jimmy Hart's celebration really helps punctuate yeah. the victory.
1: I remember. I, I, man, I remember this Saturday Night's Main Event so vi- vividly. Like our friends are just, we're all just waiting for a, a Hogan update or Hogan cut a promo. No, he's okay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, because I, I know mean, after the match on Valentine putting the figure four on again.
3: I do like his figure four. I don't like I don't like Charlotte's figure <laughs> eight. I think it looks too weird. And Brutus is out for the save.
2: Ahead of his time, wearing his own T-shirt. I know Hogan wore his stuff, but uh, wearing his own T-shirt—I don't even know if that was for sale. But
1: I think it might have been. I kind of remember seeing that one. Uh, Macho Man would wear his own shirt for promos, but not out to the ring. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: So no Macho Man on the show. No honky talk. Um, no Heart Foundation. So none of these guys that we've seen quite a bit of, you know, last year or 1987 shows. No one so yet in 1988.
1: So Coco, Valentine Escape, Jimmy Hart's in the ring, Coco's holding Jimmy Hart's foot, and Brutus way threatening too to, nice to cut his hair, hair. hair. Yeah, he can't, even though he did. Not here, but at, uh, at WrestleMania. Okay. Oh! He, he, did, he got he, some. Oh, he got some. He's really close to his head. I know, I'd be freaked out. I don't think, I don't know, did he ever actually get any? Those are like some dull shears.
2: Like if he was cutting with them upside down almost, you know?
3: Yeah. Yeah, I don't think – I don't know if he did because wouldn't he be like – he'd be like grabbing them and throwing them up in the air or something like that. Yeah, I, I do like how Jimmy's selling it like he's been
2: – Three
3: cuts. He would have a lot
2: of hair. Yeah.
3: I do like how Jimmy's selling it like he like been disfigured. Oh. Yeah. I like how the Giants logo incorporates a a ruler or a a tape measure.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: So so we're going to get the update on Hogan's medical condition after the life of him was choked out of.
1: Yeah, they're replaying the choke. And now we got the backstage promo with Andre's shirt is just drenched.
3: <laughs> I do uh, always a fan of the heel wearing a neck brace. Yeah. It's always good for some easy heat. And no one does it better than Heenan. Joe the
1: Third saying, "I used to dig Randy debuting outfits. Always something new and different for typical WWF attire." WrestleMania four, he had four matches, he had a different outfit for each one. Uh, Joe, Jose Sorola asking if I turned John Cena heel. I think the sh- ship has passed on that. No, Justin.
2: Not now. No, I mean if he ever has like a sustained run, but I don't think so. And it feels like all his runs will be short. Uh, Savage, probably the the least exciting Savage uh, Mania outfit was maybe WrestleMania six is the King, colorful attire. But right. uh, WrestleMania seven was great. Uh, I don't know. One gets like
1: crushed, maybe. Yeah, I didn't
2: like when he started started
1: wearing the the shirt and the pants with the the streamers. I mean, that's yeah. kind of an iconic look for him. But I, I I was always a fan of the capes and the, the capes and the headband and the you know the trunks.
3: Yeah, I don't really care for the Macho King as much yeah. as, like, just regular Macho Man. It seems kind of gimmicky for... Andre is just intense there. Did they say... Did, oh, I forget if they announced.
2: What up now, Raj? The update on his condition? I wouldn't have had him choke Gene Oakland, because how does Gene withstand that? No,
1: I was going to say, did they announce that there was going to be a Friday night main event? You know? Like, did they ever I don't, even, think, so. I don't think they it's, ever did. No,
3: it's not. They don't do a lot of that on this, these shows. They don't do a lot of, like promotion for they don't they they shoot the angles and stuff but they don't like hammer hammer home like like the date it's almost like the date's not set i mean they have the royal rumble the first royal rumble between now between this saturday night's main event and the main event but they don't even plug that
0: at all
1: yeah which is crazy how many people watch that show so they're either flipping through the channels or you know
3: Yeah, I mean, just the
1: commercials on NBC throughout the week, because I I would.
3: This is your your biggest audience right here, is this? Is gonna be people who are watching this episode of Sarah Itsman event. Yeah. Damage
2: sustained the windpipe. So they're trying to go back to that Ricky Steamboat type uh, angle for Hulk gear. The year of
3: the Giants. I do like how he's so happy. Jesse's so happy. (laughs) He's He's, yeah. Yeah,
1: no announcement for the next date. Huh. Doesn't
2: matter, Raj. They
1: hooked you. Yeah. I mean, it it worked out anyway. They they didn't need to. And now we go to the the credits.
3: Yeah, I mean, clearly. I I mean, if they announced it, would they have had 40
1: million people watching instead of 30? Yeah,
3: thirty.
1: Yeah, it was thirty-three. Right. Think about that number. How insane that number is. I mean,
3: yeah, it's like the Super it's Bowl plays different, different age. I mean, like, I don't think anything outside of the Super Bowl would do with thirty-three million viewers today. No, um, because even the playoffs and
1: stuff would. You know, they did like, I want to say they did closer to like 17, 20 million. Seven yeah,
3: million. like I think like a really big Sunday night football game. We'll do like close to 20 million. Yeah. And then Monday Night Football's, you know, which is a cable show is kind of fluctuates, I think, between like what, like 7 million and 12 million, depending on the game.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: And uh, so basically it's the Super Bowl and that's it. Uh, Of course, back in the 80s, there were more programming that would do like, I think like Dallas would do like 40 million each week um, and that kind of stuff. But that's the show. Um, Anyone else specifically? Raj, what was your favorite part of the show?
1: Oh, the choke! That was the that was the whole thing. That was the whole show. Was that uh, you know? I found the rest of the show entertaining, but that that moment that really set things into motion. That really got this year going.
2: Also built. I love the Strike Force. Built the Strike Force into you know contender. Real, I know they're contenders, but you know they deserve to be champions. Uh, helped build a hammer for that WrestleMania match with Macho. Yeah, I mean overall, and of course the standout is Hogan. Hogan Andre. Um again surprising there's no savage but I understand why you got to focus on on the money the program they want to build which is Hogan and Andre so yeah just everything's clicking and it's only going to get better but what a, what a great ep- another great episode too Jesse Ventura really makes it special Gene Okerlund does too um yeah what a another great night maybe not their best Saturday Night's made Event yet but it's up there
1: Yeah yeah exactly Um so yeah it was a yeah, it was a, a, a great storyline Saturday night's main event. I agree.
3: Yeah, I the table yeah. A really entertaining show. There's I like to show this obviously you have the Hogan versus Andre angle, which is the big angle in the show, but I thought it was pretty entertaining just with like some of the little stuff, like Sika having the giant hoagie roll because he's, you know, gonna kill uh, Damien and he needs a big sandwich roll to put the snake in. Like that's just like goofy fun stuff to watch and you don't see like that kind of Humor and you know physical comedy all the time on WWE programming, and the fact that it was kept serious. Yeah, Jess,
2: funny, funny you say that he wasn't
3: a cartoon character because he did that. You know what I mean? You still yeah, thought like he it was... wasn't like he wasn't like you know the Miz or someone like that. He was still a, the Wild Samoan. It's like oh, bet he's serious. He's going to do that. It's so, a Wild well, simone
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, all right, guys. Um, I don't know. Did you have any trivia questions or anything?
2: I should have saved the tag team partners of Martel and Santana for this. Let's think of one. Um, Tag team. 1988 WWF.
1: I got you last week with that Randy Savage WrestleMania opponent one.
2: I can I forgot Greg Valentine. Yeah. This is the part we chop up of this mistake. Um, let me think of a good trivia question.
3: Yeah. If anyone in the chat has a good trivia question.
0: I'll yeah, let's go
3: ahead. for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was thinking uh, of one, like, who on this show... Be the who, who had the most recent match in WWF, but that's obviously Hogan.
2: Well, I'll, I'll ask one because he's been such a big Saturday Night's Main Event piece up till tonight. The Mighty Hercules, Hercules. You know we're, we're building Hercules, building Hercules, and it obviously hurts his push that, that Steamboat is done, right? Basically, especially yeah. as Intercontinental Champion. But Hercules does have a featured match at WrestleMania Four. Who is his? Who is his opponent
1: at WrestleMania Four? Yeah. Uh, the Ultimate Warrior, very good.
3: Yeah. more. All yeah, right. so the Warriors in the company at this point, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bruce is asking who won the match between the Bulldogs versus the Rougeos at Summerslam '88. I know this one, so I'll let you guys have at it. It's the Rougeos,
3: right?
2: I feel like the Rougeos were like classic time limit draws, but um, is it time limit draw? Time limit draw. Yeah, they were. It just for whatever reason they were. And it was infuriating because it was one of those WWF rules, the E rules that was never enforced except when they wanted it to be enforced. So, as a viewer, it was just, what, What's the point? Of, I just want to see a winner and a loser.
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, the Rujo brothers. Uh, I mean, sorry, the Bulldogs were almost out of the company by that point. I don't know how much longer they're in the company, or at least Dynamite's. Uh, well, no, because they both leave and then Bulldog comes back. But I'm pretty sure they're gone by the like summer of eighty yeah, that might. Be, I don't know if that's our last pay per view match, but I would assume it is. Davey Boy Boy's jacked. He,
2: yeah, they're not at Survivor '89, are they? They were at Survivor Series
3: '88. Yeah. Let me look that. I'm gonna look that up real quick because I think like because Dynamite's and, like had, he's already had a lot of injuries. He's not the same guy. And, only and when Baby Boy is big, when he comes back, he is. Yeah, their I last match. Their last group. match is at their last match is at the '88 Survivor Series. Right. Um, which they won. They. Uh, Beat the they eliminated the last remaining co- opponents. Who are the last remaining opponents uh in, in that the Bulldogs eliminated in the nineteen eighty eight Survivor series? The powers the of pain. Wars. The conquistadors. Very good, Justin. Thank you. Iconic outfits. Yeah. And then when does Bulldog come
2: back? He comes back before WrestleMania seven, around WrestleMania seven, right around there. Davy boy.
3: Yeah. Um oh, look up. He comes back in nineteen ninety. Uh and he just goes by the British Bulldog. Right, yeah, they dropped the Davey content- Boy Smith. It was very contentious between uh, Davy Boy and Dynamite that Davy Boy, I think he, it's Davy Boy trademark, I think he trademarked the name um, the British Bulldog because then he uses it when he goes to WCW, I believe. And then he, um, you know, Dynamite couldn't use it for few signings and that kind of thing.
1: Ah, here's a good one. What are the two names of the British Bulldogs' mascots? The bridge of course,
2: board. we know but that is a good question. Matilda's an easy one. Mm-hmm. How about the second one?
1: Winston, right? I think so. I believe it's Winston.
2: I wish we knew stuff that was relevant to the
1: world. I didn't.
3: I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't know it was Winston. But now that Raj says it's Winston, and now I remember it being Winston.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: he didn't have that dog for long. He stopped. Uh, I think it was just for like six months or something.
3: Well, it must be hard to keep it. I mean. I've never I've never been on a plane with it. with taking took my dog on a plane before or anything like that. I can't imagine traveling. All these guys had, you, just, you know, we talked about it, you got Frankie the parrot, you've got the um Matilda the dog, you've got Damien the snake, you've got all of these animal mascots, and it must have been I don't know what the if that's factored into the guy's travel expenses. Like, did Damien did Jake the Snake have to pay for like travel expenses related to Damien? Because it was his gimmick. Speaking of which.
1: What were uh, who were Jake the Snake's siblings in the WWF?
3: In real life? Mm-hmm. Oh, I know this. Sam, Sam Houston. That's yep. one. That's one. It's um. It's um. Oh, I know who it is. It's a woman, right? Yep. Rockin' and Robin. Yep. Yes. Yes. What right. is it? All I right. knew it was that. Well, Jake's father, Grizzly Smith, was like a pretty big star in The territories, and then so all his kids got into wrestling, and obviously Jake had the most success.
1: Yeah, all right, guys, I need to get back on this story. Um, so uh, but it was uh, it was great doing this, t- it was a great time as always.
3: Yep, just wish
2: WWE wouldn't break news right before we're about to focus <laughs> for two They've hours worked. on this. Jeez,
1: I know,
3: yep. yeah. Justin, do you want to plug anything? I know you had a big
2: interview this week. Yes, Mongo McMichael. Uh, there'll be—I know there'll be a story tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to go Heyman or uh, I'm working on a couple different pieces for this weekend. But um, there'll certainly be a story tomorrow. So if you follow me, at my Twitter handle is at Justin Barrasso. I'll post tomorrow, um, maybe two, but but certainly active uh, tomorrow with the piece, um, with the goings on WWE and more.
3: I have a column I am I have running tomorrow, The Views from the Turnbuckle, which will, will be out tomorrow morning. I did write it about kind of a comparison between Drew McIntyre and Braun Strowman and how they've been booked uh, since Wrestlemania and kind of how is that a reflection on Raw creative and SmackDown creative and who are those people in charge and uh, obviously that has changed since I wrote the article, so uh, after we wrap this up, I'm going to go back in and have to make some changes to it to make it more timely, but I think it'll be interesting to read Specifically, after what we just saw happen tonight,
1: yeah, and uh, also on Wrestling Inc., we have exclusive interviews as always. Uh, we got Wade Boggs, the legendary Wade Boggs, uh, we got Joy Ryan, and then tons of cool stuff coming up next week, so uh, including uh, Stu Bennett, um, uh, gosh, who else? I'm um, Ty of Valkyrie, and and much more, so keep checking out wrestlinginc.com. Mm-hmm. And
2: the wrestling world is just, I mean, pandemic or not, its there's been no shortage. It's been nonstop really since, what, March? I yeah. Mean, just news, news, constant news. Load.
1: I know. I mean, I thought uh, I was trying to think of content and stuff that, you know, when this the pandemic started that, you know, I could start pushing out because there's going to be no TV shows or anything. And that never happened. <laughs> so right. it's, been, it's been crazy. The, the news has not stopped.
3: All right, and like I said, next week we're going to be back. We're going to have we're going to be going over the main event, which I guess is not technically Saturday night's main event in Canon, but we're going to make an exception because it's basically the biggest show in WWE history, and we'll be back here Thursday night. Uh, like I said, thanks a lot to everyone who watches, everyone who's listening to the podcast, people who Thank watch so live, much. everyone in the comment section. We love your participation, um, and thanks a lot. And we'll see you again next week.